Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Uh, I want to talk over the next couple of weeks. I'm actually, uh, Jamie doesn't know it, but I'm going to ask Jamie to help me next Sunday. Um, He'll hear it in the back as he's getting rid of his guitar. But uh, I want to talk about knowing the times that we're living in. Um, It's been far too quiet in the church. And we have to be willing to make our voices known and heard. I spoke for the last four weeks here on the gift of God, the greatest gift of God, which is his love that was given to us through his son, Jesus. And the power of that love transforms our life. But it doesn't transform our life to just go sit in a church somewhere and be apathetic and complacent concerning the world that we're living in, the battles that we're facing, um, the war that has taken place uh, in our nation. And so today, um, my prayer is that you won't feel like this is a negative word, uh, even though there's a lot of negative stuff going on in our nation uh, and in our world, but that you will be convicted um, and encouraged, challenged, maybe stirred a little bit to ask Holy Spirit what, is, what it is that he has called you to do as an individual, what he has called us as a people to do. And uh, so I want to start off by reading Romans chapter 13, uh, beginning with verse 8, and actually use this scripture during one of the four weeks we were talking about God's love, and you'll see it as I read through it. But a uh, few verses here, very important. Romans 13, beginning verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love each other for the love For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are all summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. That's a very powerful verse there. You meditate on that for a little bit and hear the hatred that's being spewed in our world, especially against Christians and people of faith. Um, How are are we to respond? We're going to talk about that over these next couple of weeks. Besides this, verse 11, beside this, you know the time. Paul's saying to the church at Rome, I mean, he's confirming that they know and understand the time, that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. How many of you can say amen to that? The night is far gone, the day is at hand, so then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, But we are to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. We're to make no provision for the flesh. So 
as I have been meditating on everything that's gone on in our world uh, over the last uh, couple of years, especially here in America, and um, l- let me just say this about my trip to Cuba. I desperately needed to go back to Cuba for a lot of personal reasons and personal convictions, but once again, just to be reminded that God is not just the God of America. Amen? He's the God of the whole world, and he loves the whole world. We're going to send a team here in a month or two down to Columbia. I was talking with my friend, Pastor James, on Friday afternoon from Seattle, and they've gone through so much hell up there as a church. They have been under such attack, the Christian church... uh, in Washington, in Oregon, in California. And, uh, but he was telling me that they're getting ready to take a team of 30 back down to uh, Peora, Peru, where we were a few years ago. And we were talking about the significance of our trips overseas and out of this country and how necessary they are to, to continue to remind us of the price that so many are paying for their Christian faith, that as we talk today and over the next few weeks, and I really do pray that you will not be discouraged by what you hear, uh, but that you will understand that we need to be warned of the day and the hour that we're living in. We have to wake up out of our sleep and slumber in the church. We've got to do more than just come to the house of God on Sunday morning and pay our dues. We have to be willing to lay down our lives as our brothers and sisters all over the world are doing in a significant, significant way. Being back in Cuba just reminded me again the price um, that they pay to walk with God and what they've been through over even these last three and a half years, sitting last Sunday at lunch after service Uh, with Pastor Alita and her whole family, uh, children and grandchildren. Her father was there. There were four generations of um, believers in this house, five generations, I'm sorry. And and the significance of what all of them, the price that they have all paid to walk with God, that that they don't just get to go to church on Sunday um, and everything's hunky-dory. They're, the reality, the significance of, uh, for, all the, for all those that work in the church, none of them are supported by the socialistic government of Cuba. Uh, they, they all are provided for by their churches alone. And, and uh, just a, a footnote, uh, they shared with us that throughout COVID, Uh, The government, because they were going through such difficulty uh, down there and there were no tourists coming, all the hotels were closed down. And interestingly, in the midst of it, they built five new five-star hotels in Havana during COVID. While their people were locked down and they reduced their monthly income from $35 a month. I didn't say an hour or a week. 35 a month. They reduced it to $14 a month. They were not able to leave their homes from March 2020 until September 2021. Now, how many of you had to go through that here in America? We didn't. 
we, some of us felt sorry for how tough things were. And, and in all reality, um, they, they really weren't tough at all compared to what so many others in the world are going through. But we are living in a time where our Christian faith is being attacked significantly. And yet, as the church, we still... Um, We still want to just believe that everything is going to be hunky-dory and good. Or if it gets really rough, then Jesus is going to suck us out of here, rapture us in the middle of the battle. And if he does, then he, God's going to have to repent to all the other nations of the world. Don't get real quiet on me. But there, there are battles that are happening, and there's battles that are coming, and we have to be prepared for it. This morning, I want to share an excerpt out of a, a message that uh, Reverend Franklin Graham gave this last Monday night in Orlando at the National uh, Religious Broadcasters Convention that he shared the stage with Governor DeSantis, and both of their messages um, were profound. If you can go online, Google it, however you find that kind of stuff, um, you should listen to both of them. Both Governor DeSantis um, gave a powerful word and as well as Reverend Franklin Graham. He issued this warning. He said, every demon in hell is being released or turned loose against the church worldwide. But he was speaking to America. He issued a major warning about persecution against Christians in America, and he warned the audience of Christian media organizations and ministry professionals to be prepared for the coming storm against Christians. It's not just coming, it's already here. And in different parts of our country here in America, there are many Christian organizations, churches, the media, Christian television that are already coming under severe attack. He said, I believe there's a coming storm that we all need to be ready for. The world has deteriorated so quickly, it seems like every demon in hell has been turned loose. We cannot be deceived, and we can't be fooled. We need to get ready, and we need to be prepared. During his speech, he encouraged the audience to stand firm on the gospel and refuse to compromise on the Bible's teaching. We are living in a cancel culture that wants to destroy Christian organizations and churches. They want us to shut our mouths. They want... They don't want to hear from us. The evangelists urge Christian organizations to prepare to defend themselves against the growing cancel culture in business, insurance, banking, and technology. He challenged them to continue sharing the hope of Jesus Christ in the face of increasingly difficult circumstances. Graham said any organization sharing the Christian message could be targeted and canceled by financial institutions and big tech. 
As CBN News has reported, there have already been multiple cases of banks ousting Christian ministries or big tech deplatforming the Christian church. He said, now, if you don't preach the gospel, you don't have anything to worry about. There's a lot of churches not preaching the gospel. Matter of fact, even in Cuba, over the last four years, guys that we had walked with, fellowship with, and opened doors for us, they have changed their theology. And they have embraced homosexuality, same-sex marriage, homosexuals and lesbians being able to pastor and lead churches. And it's brought a tremendous split in the church in Cuba. The people that we fellowship have disfellowshipped themselves from the major council of churches of Cuba. And as we sat last Sunday afternoon and heard the whole story of what they went through and the um, persecution, the struggle, the difficulties of what they're walking out. And yet, at the same time, the strength of their churches multiplying. Every, we, we were in two different churches last Thursday, a week ago, Thursday night. We had the privilege of going back to Santa Fe where I did say I wasn't going to talk about Cuba, didn't I? Well, yeah, it's just in me. So anyhow, we were in Santa Fe where Oscar's from and uh, had wonderful dinner on Sunday or on Thursday afternoon with Pastor Randy and Yenny and and then we went to uh, the service. It was starting at 8 o'clock. We got there at 5 to 8. It was packed to the hilt. There was standing room. There were people standing around the outside looking in through the windows. And uh, their air condition had broken back a couple of years ago. They've not been able to find the parts. So it was hotter than Hades when I walked into the building. And uh, as we uh, got in there, I, I, Oscar and I both were just overwhelmed with the presence of God and the grateful heart that these people that have so very little, they're so passionate about the kingdom of God. They, they, they have no Disney World to go to. They have no internet to uh, give to their kids so they're not consumed with their iPads and their iPhones and, and all of their stuff. And so uh, church starts at 8 and at 7 it's packed. And at 10 when I finally finished ministering, uh, nobody was in a hurry to leave. And when we finally pulled out of the, the little grass driveway and down the hill around 1025, uh, no one had left because church is their everything. And they shared with us what they had to go through uh, in COVID to take care of their people. And I was absolutely astounded by their tenacity to take care of their people. Somehow, both churches that we were, uh, had the privilege of being with had been able to find uh, several hundred little USB cards. And so uh, during the whole time of lockdown, they're 
Worship teams would sneak out of their house and they would meet at church and they would have a full worship session that they uh, uh, recorded and the pastors would preach and bring a word and then they would set up and do children's ministry. So every other week uh, they would get these little USB cards passed out to all of their leaders in their church family in their small groups. And they would get them and they would begin to go in their neighborhood and at night they would sneak out and one family after another would get the card for just one day and they would watch the service and if they had children then they would watch the children's ministry and they printed these uh, papers with uh, their Bible studies on it and and they were going through all of this having to sneak in and out of their houses because if they got caught uh, they would be arrested or fined just to try to get to the house of God. None of us were arrested or fined having to come to the house of God uh, during the middle of COVID. Can you say, thank God for that? But the reality of it is, they had their price to pay, and we have our price to pay. Because their price is lack, slack, and not enough, and ours is abundance and too much. Look around at all the empty chairs today because it's another three-day weekend holiday in the church in America. The beaches are packed. There's nothing wrong with going to the beach and everybody needs vacation. So for those of you that are at the beach watching online, I'm glad you're watching online. But when things and stuff... Welcome back, Ozzy. They let you out of Australia. It's good to have you home. Sorry about that. Ozzy's been uh, back in Australia, and, and uh, it's good to have him back home. But the times that we're living in. See, we don't have to pay the price for our friends in Cuba, or Honduras, or Peru, or China, or Russia. But we have to answer to God for our lives here in America. And instead of it being lustful, I'm saying, God, what's it going to take for the house of God to be full again? What's it going to take for people to be hungry for worship and hungry for prayer? And that prayer meetings are not the least attended meetings of the week. And, and Bible teaching um, in the middle of the week is not the least attended meetings in the week. What's it going to take for we as the church in America to once again understand the day, the hour, the time that we live in and what we're called to. That every little thing doesn't interrupt. If I were to sit down and ask your children today, what's the most important thing for your mom and dad? Would they say the house of God? Would it even be up in the top five? Oh, don't look at me like that. Just give me love, give me love, give me love. We have to be reminded the scripture challenges us. Listen, let me finish this. He said, Reverend Franklin Graham said, Christian communicators are called by God to keep telling the gospel message the way it is, no matter what may happen. Can you say amen to that? When you try to tell a person that they're a sinner, it's offensive. When you tell someone that Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth, and the only life, and there's no way to heaven or, or to God except through him, you offend people. 
Graham continued by declaring, just tell it the way it is anyhow. Preach. Don't back up. Don't make excuses. We cannot back up. We can't retreat. Don't apologize for the gospel. Just declare it and preach it. Last night, before I went to sleep, I had finished reading through my notes, the scriptures. And I went over to Romans chapter 1, verse 18, through the end of the chapter. And I'll probably pick up there next Sunday uh, with that passage of scripture. But boy, is it profound, Romans chapter 1. If it's not the day and the hour that we're living in here in America today, then there's, there's no other scripture that's a greater reference. But he declares, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Graham went on to remind the audience to be prepared for what's coming. He used John chapter 15, 18, and 19 where Jesus said this. Hang on to your seats with this one. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Just don't sit there, he ends with this, just don't sit there on your hands and let the storm hit and then have this look on your face like, I didn't know that was coming. I didn't see that coming. He said, you'd better see it coming. The world hates you because it hated Jesus. And Jesus told us that the world hated him first and that they're going to hate you. He noted, if you stand for Christ, the world will indeed hate you. Now hear me. This is not a fearful article if you have been reading your Bible. It's not fearful. It's just a warning. Of what's to come. Everything in our nation has radically changed over the last couple of years. The stuff that's going on, the mutilation of children in America, that we're even discussing it, is mind-boggling. We got to understand the times. We got to help parents, help their kids. Because their kids are listening to all this garbage. Their friends are telling them. Their friends are infatuated with. I was listening to a podcast the other day. And I, I, I might next week, we might throw that up on the screen uh, and just give you the link to it so you can go and watch it yourself. It's about a 45-minute podcast that's talking about the times that we're living in and uh, one of the guys sent it to the whole presbytery and we were watching it and I was listening to this black man and white female, uh, both believers, um, and they were talking about all the different events that are taking place. And, and this mother has a daughter that's uh, 13 years old, I believe, and she was saying how her daughter was telling her that all of her little friends all have crushes on 
little girl, 13 years old, all had crushes on their other girlfriends. And they believed that it was normal. It's not normal. But it's what they're being fed by the media that is indoctrinating our society, which it's hard to fathom or understand what the purpose is, except Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's coming after your children. You, you have to know what's going on in your children's lives. You, you have to be aware of what they're looking at on the internet, what their friends are talking to them about. Because they're going to be influenced. You become who you hang out with. And that's why our children need to experience the fullness of the presence of God from an early age. It's why our children need to be taught the Word of God. They don't just need flashy youth groups where it's a lot of hype and a lot of, a lot of stuff. They need the Word of God because the Word of God is the only thing that's going to help them to walk the straight and narrow. They got to have a personal conviction in their own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We have to know and understand. Jesus warned us for all that we're going to serve him, persecution would come. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Five verses here, real quick. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life. Wouldn't you like to just stop right there? Woo, that's me. I want to live a godly life. But you got to go ahead and read the rest of Paul's exhortation to his young spiritual son, Timothy. He said, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, if possible, maybe there's a good chance, not really certain it's going to happen to you, but it's going to happen to somebody you know. That's not what he said, is it? He said, all if you tapped yourself on the chest and said, I'm one of the all, then guess what? Persecution's coming. Oh, I don't, Pastor, can't you just go back and preach one of those love messages again? Man, that was so good. Four weeks of just, oh, God just loves you. He does love you. There's a price to pay to walk in the fullness of that love. You can't protect your children from it, but you can prepare them for it. Do you hear me? Some of you say, oh, pastor, I, I don't, you know, this just brings fear. No, it shouldn't bring fear because we are full of the Holy Spirit of the living God. And all over the world, people are laying down their lives for their gospel, for the sake of Jesus Christ. They're not ashamed and they're willing to say whatever it takes you. The greatest revival going on in the world right now. You don't hear about this from any kind of media. Greatest revival going on in the world today is in the nation of Iran, where 70% of the pastors are females. And I read the story of one lady who said she had three small children, and every single day when she left her house, she kissed her children, hugged them, prayed over them, and left the house not certain that she would ever see them again. 
because she knew that what she was doing could cost her her life at any moment. And yet she loved her kids, prayed over them, blessed them, and walked out to do the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of us have a hard time to get to church at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning on time. Worship is vital. Prayer is vital. The Word of God is vital. If we're going to understand and not be overcome by this day and hour that we live in. Verse 17, I'm going to just skip to the bottom. You can read the rest because we have, as I said, a few important things to do this morning. Verse 17, Paul says that the man of God may be, what does it say? Y'all have it up there? Verse, the last verse, is it there? There you go. That the man of God may be what? Say it out loud. Equipped for every good work. In the middle of bad stuff, you're equipped through the word of God for good works. Amen? We're equipped by the word and by the spirit, by prayer. We don't give in. We don't give up. We don't quit. Don't be overly alarmed with this word unless your life is full of compromise. And then the truth of the matter is you won't be bothered anyhow. But for those that are going to sell out to the Lord Jesus Christ and give 100%, there are days ahead that we have to be prepared for got to be prepared for it. And so we're going to take a few weeks to help prepare us for the day and the hour and the time that we're living in. So would you bow your head and let me pray over you this morning. Father, I thank you this morning that in this short time we have together that our time of worship, our time of fellowship, our time of prayer, our time of the word, that we will walk out of here, Father, stronger, more equipped, better equipped, preparing our lives, our hearts, our minds for that which has eternal worth and eternal value. I'm thankful for my friends in Cuba, and I love them, and I pray over them. But Father, Cuba is not our, our field. It's not our Jerusalem. This is ours. And what we're walking through and about to walk through and going to walk through, I pray grace and strength for every believer. That as we love the sinner, but we hate their sin, that we will not compromise truth and we will not compromise truth with our children, trying to make them more acceptable with their friends. Help us to teach and train our children in the way that they should go. So that the very word of God and the very life of God will flow in them and through them. I pray over us as a people that as we gather in small groups, times of fellowship, times of prayer, times of having a coffee together, that we will stir one another to good works. We will stir one another to do that which the Father you have called us to do and to be about. 
we would live our lives not only in the house of God and at home, but in our community without fear or without shame, that we will love you, Father, with our whole heart because you first loved us. So I give you thanks and praise for that today. And I pray over us as a people over these next several weeks that we will allow the spirit of the living God to teach, to train, to nurture us, to prepare us for the days that we're living in and what you've called us to be about. I pray that in the name that is above every name, Jesus the Christ. We give you thanks and praise. And everybody said a big amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.